1983, in July, our dear brother, brother, brother Lee, Brother Witness Lee, gave a fellowship in the church in Anaheim. You can find this now in the collected works in the 1983 series. I'd like to read this uh, paragraph, but the, the main point that I'd like to make is actually in the next to last sentence. It's not a long paragraph. Please bear with me. <clears throat> the children's work is a basic work in the churches because there are so many young people, so many family units, so many children everywhere. The church has a lot of children. To raise up our children and bring them to the Lord is the easiest way to get increase for the church. You know, we're all burdened for the increase of the church. We have a lot of, uh, well, we never feel that it's enough, but we have several saints serving full-time in different places. Why? Actually, it's for, a lot of it is for the increase of the church. And many of them are laboring on college campuses. Why? For the increase of the church. But Brother Lee says the easiest way to get the increase is through the children. Hmm. And this increase is quite trustworthy. Much better than to get the outsiders in. The children's work helps the young people's work. The junior high work depends on the children's meeting. If the children's meeting would be done quite successfully, this will support the junior high work very much. From the junior high, they go on to the high school. And then from high school, they will go on to college and so forth. I feel very much burdened, even though I do not have the time to touch it. That is, our brother himself didn't have the time to labor in this area. He, he wanted to labor in this area. Yeah. Some of us have given our time to touch it. Amen. Amen. That's what we're doing this weekend. We're touching this burden. Amen. Amen. That every local church must pay adequate attention and do the things sufficient to take care of the children's meeting. Then, from the children's meeting, go on to the young people's work. We must get the Lord's gospel on the, uh, let's see, we must get the Lord's gospel on the campus that he could get the young people. So this work, oh, here's the, here's the sentence. Please pay attention to this sentence. So this work with the children and young people, the junior high and so forth, are all related as one piece. This work with the children and young people, the junior high and so forth, are all related as one piece. The brothers who are working on the children should also get related to the junior high, the young people's work. But anyway, that's the quote. <clears throat> 
But please pay attention, even when Brother Lee uses this phrase, the young people. I think today, mostly when we say young people, in our minds, we're talking about the teenagers, the junior high and high schoolers. <clears throat> but um, are you familiar with a publication that we have called Young People's Training? Some of you might know this book, Young People's Training. Okay, <clears throat> this was fellowship uh, in 19, when? 76, when, oh, I think about 500 of us, 500 of us from all over North America moved to Orange County, California to be trained, but, but very different, in a very different manner than what many of you have passed through the full-timers training. Anyway, so many college-age young people and, and, and young adults, mostly singles, but there were a number of couples, all moved to Southern California. And uh, at that time, there was only the church in Anaheim and the church in Huntington Beach. And so our training was this. Our training was that the 500 of us, and I don't know if there are some in this audience who were part, part of that migration. I was one of them. Uh, I went from New York. Uh, I moved a little bit later. This was in the fall of 1976. And uh, I went at the end of the semester. This was my first semester in college. My first semester in college, so I was 18. Anyway, we moved there, and we were divided into five or six groups. And we were told, go practice the church life in a, in a, in a new city. So. I believe it was Thanksgiving weekend was the birth of the church in Fullerton, the church in Long Beach, the church in Irvine, I th maybe the church in Costa Mesa, and Cyprus. I believe these were the five places. And uh, I ended up in Irvine. Anyway, during that period of time, Brother Lee gave young people's training. That training was not aimed at high schoolers. It was aimed at college students. College students. And you look at the content of that book, and, and it, it is, he talks about the triune God, he talks about the gospel, and he talks about the ground of locality, one city, one church, and how to present that to, to people and so on. And clearly, this is fellowship for college students. So my point is this. When Brother Lee, in this time, was talking about young people, he, he wasn't just talking about teenagers. He's talking about college students. So the point is this. He said the work with children, with junior high, with high school, with young people, meaning with college students included, are all related together as one piece. Now, in the collected works, which, which some of us now have in, in, our, in our hands, um, uh, this word, peace, I can tell you, was changed to work, the word work, are all related together as one work. It means the same, but to me, the significance of one piece uh, brings out something more. And that's the word he used. I just read to you from the transcript. 
not, not from the printed volume. And in, in the message, actually, which I heard, I listened to this clip, he says, but work with the children, with the junior high, with the high school, and the college campus are all related together as one piece. One piece. Okay. Why am I highlighting this? Well, <clears throat> in the past, uh, actually quite often now, I think saints are used to a kind of analogy that uh, this is like a, a pipeline, right? A pipeline. And, and the children, the children uh, pass through our hands in the church life as passing through a kind of a pipeline. It's not that the children are the pipeline. The children are the water passing through. The, the pipeline is actually us. Okay. And, and the thought is this. The thought is this. Oh, maybe. Is it okay? Sorry. Yeah. The, th the thought is this one or this one? Okay. Can I erase this? And, yeah. How about I leave those for? Okay. Yeah. The thought is something like this, that, that when you have, a, you have a, a pipe, you have a pipe, and, and, and always the, the, the threat or, uh, you know, risk of leakage is where? At the joints, at the joints, right. So then you have this joint, and then you have another piece, and then it's like that, and excuse my, my drawing, uh, and then you have, and so on. Okay, so the risk of leakage is here. So th this is the kind of thought. This is children's meeting. And this is the, the teenagers. This is the junior high, and this is the high school. And sometimes there's a thing there. And because there's certain saints take care of just middle school. You call it middle school or junior high? Junior high. Okay. And then certain saints take care of this. And then this is the, the college campus work and certain saints. And, and, and I, heard, I heard actually just two weeks ago, I was in a certain place, and a brother told me, yeah, you know, we, 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 wanted, to, we wanted to borrow some full-timers, borrow full-timers who were serving because we were short. And, and, and then we were told, oh, no, 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 our full-timers don't touch the children's uh, work. Yeah. Well, many things seemed wrong to me in this scenario. First, borrow, the, the thought of we need to borrow. Uh, anyway, even if they lend you <laughs> their full-timers for one morning, it's to send them back. It just seemed so, you know, anyway. So, so anyway, he heard about that. It wasn't in his place, but he heard about the saints serving in that way before in a certain place. And he was troubled. He wanted to know how I, how I felt. I think it's clear how I feel. And, <laughs> and um, anyway, the, the leakage, the, the potential, potential for leakage is, okay. So anyway, this pipeline thought was somewhat how we analyzed our services. And, and it is true that those who serve with the children's meeting, which, which I, I don't know about here, but I know in our place, mostly sisters, probably 80 or 90% sisters, are not the ones who are on the college campuses, although that's not 100%. Sometimes there are some moms, I know in our place, 
the, the sisters who serve on children's meeting, who are stay-at-home moms, some of them, they are the ones who make appointments with the students and actually, you know, it, they babysit together and then allow one to make like two hours on Thursday to have time for appointments with students. So they cooperate. So it's not strictly that way. But in general, these who serve children actually don't have even much to do with junior high unless you're hosting the junior high meeting because you also have a child in junior high. But the services don't intersect. And then on and on, and it's very uh, compartmentalized. Right? Now, maybe for the practic practical carrying out of service, this is needed, a focus. Surely, you need to focus. But we're not a business. We're a family. Amen. And families don't work this way. Families don't work this way. The, you know, you, you, have, you have a child that's three years old. They can help mommy. They can help mommy at least go get the diaper for the six-month-old. When they're four or five, they can practically change the diaper. When they're, when they're in junior high, they can babysit the little ones. When they're, when they're in high school, they'll be able to cook for, hey, mom, dad, you go out. We'll take care. And it's like the families, everything intersects. And so what Brother Lee says is, is there's, there's, no, there's none of this. He said they're all related together as one piece. It's, it's just, it's one thing. And actually, as, as we consider this, we realize this is not an accurate rendering of the situation. It, it's really more, it's really more like this. We have, uh, we have the children. We have the children. And then we're talking about the junior high. And then we're talking about high school. And then we're talking about college. But that's not everybody in the church line. Where do these come from? These, they come from families. And how do we get families? Where'd families come from? Actually, these grew up and became young adults. And then they got married. And then they became what? Couples. And then the couples became the families. And that's the church life. And so we were considering... If, and please, what I'm going to say for the next few minutes, try your best not to misunderstand me. And I think you would not misunderstand me. And, and brothers who know me can testify, I think, on our, my behalf. We're, we're burdened for the campus work everywhere. College campus work. College campus work everywhere. And we need the college campus work. But if you 
only see that part of the labor, you may have a successful labor today, but let me ask you, in five years, where is your fruit? The fruit you gain that graduate from, you may say, full-time training. Okay, that's two years. I asked in five years, where are they? Serving. <laughs> that would be great if they all were serving the Lord somewhere. Okay, even if they're serving, don't they get married? Don't they have children? Now, if in our place all we have is a kind of labor that surrounds the campus, we have to at least have a view broad concerning the families. Now, of course, in many places that I know where there's a, a, it's a kind of a, a campus town, you know, campus town, then the, the naturally the focus of that lampstand will be around the campus. But then the families are involved with the campus. The families are involved. Yeah. But, and, and in a smaller place, actually, I've seen that work quite well. It's a big kind of blending. But I have noticed in larger, a little larger places, localities, sometimes our young adults, if they're not directly related to the campus work, they lose their way in the church life. They're trying to find their niche. And, and they just maybe don't have that burden. Or they have the burden and they uh, participate in the, church, in, the, in the church's burden. However, they still have their particular need concerning how to face the work environment. The temptations. You know, it's to me, oh, that jump from university to work life to me, that was the biggest transition that I, I remember facing. The, firstly, even the time. You, you have to be at work at that time. When you're a student, you're going to class, eh, I'm going to be late anyway, never mind. I'll call somebody, I'll text you. Tom, are you in class? Great, let me get your notes. And then Tom says, yeah, then you go tomorrow. <laughs> and then we, you know, so, you know, you, you kind of were, uh, yeah. At work, not so much. Of course, yes, I know they're, you know, you work from home, but don't be careful. Be careful. Sometimes the more flexibility you have, the worse it is. But that commitment of every day, it's, a, it's grinding. And people sometimes are not ready for that. Then, then the peer pressure on the job sometimes is stronger than when it was in high school. I experienced that. And the, the what do you call it, just a, you know, happy hour after work. And it's in these people, I, I worked as an accountant in a big, big accounting accounting firm for a few years. It's not that these people are, are like, you know, Mario, we want to drag you to hell. 
come with us. No, it's not. They like you. And they said, come on, come hang out with us. You never spend time with us. You're always with your church. Spend a little time. They, they genuinely like you, and they, come on, just for a little bit. This is how they treated me. Oh, come on, come on. I always say, oh, I have an appointment. <laughs> I have an appointment on Tuesday night. I have an appointment on Monday night, yeah. Tuesday night, <laughs> Wednesday night, Friday night. Yeah, and the only time I didn't have an appointment was Thursday night. I said, no, sorry, guys, that's family night. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, but they, and then, and then they, they, oh, come on, so you go. And sometimes, I remember, I remember one time, my, uh, my coworker said, come, uh, and you never come to anything. I said, okay, I'll, I'll come. Actually, it was not happy hour. It was a, it was a party. And it was at, uh, it was on a Friday night. Friday night. But it was okay, Brother Bill, because it, the party started at 10.30 or 10 o'clock. I thought, I don't have an excuse. I don't have appointments at 10 o'clock. <laughs> My meetings end at 9.30. So, so I, th I, I thought, oh, you know, should I go? Anyway, so I ended up going. And then, and then I, 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 I got there, and, and oh, I remember she made such a big deal. She goes, hey, everybody, look who's here. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, whatever. And then, and then, she's, and then she brought me to the, to the t liquor table, and she said, this is not your table. Your table's over here. All the soft drinks. So I thought, I have a testimony. I thought, thank you. So, but even then, there was a bother. I, I remember that night. I, I sat there with my Coke and inside, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? You don't belong here. And don't misunderstand. I, by this, I'm not saying... I have a, a, a policy never to join coworkers. And, no, no, no. I, I had peace at other times to join. But sometimes it was not out of burden. It was out of peer pressure. Right. It was out of fear. It was out of, oh, the, boss, the supervisor mm -hmm. inviting everybody for a barbecue on a Saturday when we had a conference scheduled, then what do you do? Then uh, normally I would just say, oh, no, ne never mind. But this is the supervisor. This is your manager. You're the only one on the team that doesn't show up. That doesn't look good. And this is what our young adults face. And there's never a time for them to talk about it. And, and and, and they feel, brothers, they feel that we all just o are overcomers. And we overcame everything. And we know how to do it. And they're struggling. And they think, you brothers wouldn't understand because you never struggled. Isn't that ridiculous that we never struggled? But, but, but when we sit here in the front row, it, it looks like we never struggled. <laughs> And so, and so the brothers, the people feel like, you know, mm, you know. And so they, they figure out their own way to navigate that. And sometimes it's not the wisest way. And why? Because we never had an opportunity to fellowship such things. So we have, 
we have now regular conferences for the young working saints where we touch these kind of topics. How not to be carried off as spoil in that situation. It's the same God's economy, but it needs different applications. And then you have the challenges of the young couples. Yes, yes, at the, at the, at the wedding meeting. Okay, we were just talking about this. At the wedding meeting. Sorry. The Lord bless all the weddings. But everyone pretty much says the same thing. Well, Lord, we consecrate for Christ in the church. We open our home. And, yeah. The test is, three years later, is the consecration level the same? When you get your first house, when you get from the apartment to the house, is the consecration the same? The first child, the second child, soccer, music, language, is the consecration the same? How do you navigate those waters? And if we never have fellowship, you know, it says in Timothy that the older sisters should teach the younger sisters. But where does that happen? We need a church life environment. We need a family environment to provide that for. So my point is this. If we don't take care of this sector and this sector and this sector, and you only focus on either young people's work or college work, eventually there'll be a leakage. And so, these surveys, now I come to this, uh, this matter of the results of these surveys that I mentioned last night. Several thousand young people were asked. These are young people between the ages of 22 to 30 years old. 22 to 30. And they have this one thing in common. They grew up attending a church group meeting regularly even if it was just Sundays, part of a church group or in a, in a Christian family going to a church meeting. <clears throat> and they were asked, okay, now you're 22 or 30, which is here. Yeah. Do you still attend the church, your, that church meeting? So we mentioned last night, 64%, no more, two-thirds. 34, uh, 66%. No, 34%, yes, okay. Okay, that, that tells you something, but the interesting thing is the next question, and that is if they dropped, why did you drop? Why don't you continue to meet with that group? Those answers, we could learn something. And then the ones that said we continue, we asked them, why? Those answers. <laughs> quite revealing. Okay, the ones that said no, the, these are pretty much the, the, uh, the responses. <clears throat> one, one, one practical thing is, one that the, uh, this was a, actually maybe the number one answer, is they moved away. They moved away from maybe for university, for college. Maybe for job, for the job opportunity. And they decided 
Eh, now's my chance to. With us, with us, maybe there's a better chance of keeping some of those because we have a network of churches. So, oh, I live in New York City. People come from everywhere. This one came, right? Can you imagine, from Puerto Rico, he comes to New York City for work, for work. But we have that all the time. And I'm sure, uh, you know, Dallas, this has to happen, right? Uh, Chicago, Atlanta, D.C., Austin, Seattle, San Francisco, Los Angeles, major cities. You get that all the time. And then every city, you have that some. People transfer. Well, when people get a job or when people go to school, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that their first thought is, wait, is there a church there? That might be the third, fourth, or tenth priority. The first thing might be, what? Money. How much? Uh, advancement, opportunity. And this, and, uh, oh, oh, there's a, mom, there's a church there. <laughs> oh, we've had people come that we found out two years later yeah. they moved to New York. I was in one of our Lord's Table meetings. Now we have nine, nine halls, so I'm trying to try to uh, make the circuit. I was in one meeting, and, uh, and, and after the Lord's table, I think many places do this. They say, oh, anyone visiting or anyone here for the first time, please stand up. And this young brother, oh, hi. Um, <clears throat> I, I moved from Toronto uh, two years ago. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> it's my first meeting. And, and you could tell he was just so, and he didn't even have to, you know, he didn't have to say that. I, I, I don't know, we, we, we make people say stuff like that. You understand? With, with kind of an atmosphere. It should be, hi, Saints, my first meeting. I moved from Toronto. And, and you, know, you know, anyway, we try to welcome. But there are many that we miss, we miss them. We miss them. <clears throat> of course, now that we have halls all over the city, it's a little easier to get people. But still, moving is a transition. Even if you have the intention for the church life, it's not guaranteed you'll have a good transition. You know, here, here, from high school to college, why do we have the kind of leaking attrition of our young people? generation, some of them don't know how to handle the transition. And, and we're not there to help them. Then, I tell you, from here to work, what I was describing, that to me is a great transition. Wow. Not to be underestimated. And if we can help people in the time of transition Amen. to navigate the, the waters, Amen. to experience the Lord, they, they know so much already, but they don't know how to apply. We need to learn to apply. You know what the Lord said in Matthew 7, right? He says that he who 
hears my word and does them. Right? Hears my words and does them. They're like a, a man who builds his house on a rock. And the what? The rains come. Right? The winds blow. And the floods come. And then the one who doesn't do, right, the, who, who builds his house on sand, do you realize the same three things come, right? The, the rains come in the parable. The rains come, the winds blow, and the waters rise. The rain is from God. The winds are from Satan. The water is something from the earth that comes up. That's from man. We get tested from every direction. The question is, do you know how to do the word? Which means, do you know how to apply the word that you receive? Do you, do you know how to apply what you know? You know, when you're in this stage, especially if you grew up among us, sure, the, the ones who came into the church life in college age, they need more perfecting and so on. We all need more perfecting. But the ones who have grown up among us have a deposit quite much, especially if you grew up in our children's meeting, if you grew up in our young people's meeting, if you had six years of the summer school, if you had college trainings. Now, how, how many messages? I think I, I don't know if I mentioned this last time. I calculated one time that a typical young person just from graduating children's meeting until starting college may, may listen to 800 messages if they go to everything that we have, all the seven feasts, and then the summer schools of truth, 800 messages. That's not including college conferences and trainings. Imagine you have 900 messages. Sure, everything doesn't stay, but there's something in there. But when the rains come, when the tests come, sometimes it seems like it's all gone. I don't, I, I don't have a grasp on even one thing. That's a sad situation. We have to help people to apply what they have, what they have into typical situation. Oh, the transitions continue. Marriage life. There is no greater transition than from two becoming one. That's a big transition. No matter how much you love one another, doesn't even matter how long you've known one another. You think, oh, we've known each other since children's meeting. And yeah, even then it's a transition. And then children come. That's a transition. And then what if you move and have a child. Oh, we just had a sister, a couple, move from Austin to New York, eight months pregnant. And then they come, and they're, they're, they're married less than a year. Then they came to New York, and then she's, you know, and then she, and then they move, and then they have a disaster in their rental thing, and they have to move within one month. And that's moving to New York City. New York City is a transition. doesn't matter where you come from. Yeah. Oh, it's just transition trends. I mean, so many things. 
It's, I'm so happy when I, we've, I visited, my wife and I visited this couple not too long ago, see their little baby. Oh, they're just so happy in the church life. Surround the saints in that. Actually, it's a new district. It's a new district. I was a little concerned. It's a new district. Are they going to get the care? And you know, that district increased uh, 78% last, last year. 54 baptisms. Yeah, in that one district. Uh, actually, 54 Filipino-speaking new ones. Yeah. We didn't know that there were Filipino people there. But anyway, that, yeah. And, but those saints, some of them brand new. To, they, they, they started, uh, you know, uh, many churches do this, uh, sending food when a new mom, bringing food over, you know. Oh, they just took such good care of them. And so they feel part of the family of the church life. That's wonderful. Amen. But not all couples have that kind of experience. So the transitions, we have to pay attention to help people do the word to build their house on the rock. Amen. Yeah. So if we do, eventually then these families are bringing more children. And this is your case now. I think this is the case in all the churches. Now, the, this, is, this is not first generation hardly in our children's meeting. Our children's meeting is full of second, third, and fourth generation children. But if we take care of this a little more, actually the children's meeting would be maybe double the size. Because along the way, we've had leakage along, along the way. So, okay. The reasons, I only told you one reason why people move. Second reason, that these young people, again, ages 22 to 30, that they said why they did not continue hypocrisy. They said that they witnessed hypocrisy. And I don't think that they're talking about their peers. I think they're talking about the older generation. And it could be actually very probable that in some cases it includes their own parents. So when young people see us living two lives, they realize you're not doing the word. You're not applying. I've illustrated this maybe to, to you all last, last year, sometimes to the brothers in the, in, the, in the meeting. The saints see this face. And it's all. Now, this is the only face the saints see. After the meeting, actually, you're, 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 you're sick, you're tired. A brother comes, hi, brother, how are you? Good. <laughs> Fine, thank you, brother. And we have, we have maybe a meeting mask. At home, our children have the privilege to see the real me. And it could be, you're just, you're, you could be on the phone having fellowship. Amen. 
man. And then your little, your little boy comes. And you're, cover the phone. <laughs> Honey! Or whatever you call her. Dear! Woman! That's <laughs> what the Lord said in John, John 2. <laughs> right? Sorry. Sorry. But it is in John 2, if you, if you read that. And, and then, what, what, what? And she, This, you never saw me do that in the meeting. In the meeting. But that expression, sooner or later, this child grows. Don't you think they will put two and two together to realize only two people have the privilege of seeing that face? Mommy and me. But the other saints? Oh. And even when other children have problems, when other young people get into messes, oh, dad is so gracious. So, like, like just extra mile. I get in trouble once and something. Now, of course, we have to discipline our children. I'm not saying we don't discipline. But I'm talking about attitude. I'm talking about atmosphere. We'll come to this point probably in the next session. The atmosphere in our households. And other things. One sister, <coughs> she confessed to me not, uh, not too long ago. She just came to straw. She says, I don't know what to do. My child caught me in a lie. Because the, I, I forgot the whole scenario, but um, the child was, was uh, sick, and then they sent her to school, and something. Anyway, they, she went and told the teacher, oh, uh, where was so-and-so yesterday? And she didn't want to say, I kept her home sick, because she would question, uh, why is she here today? So where was yes? Where was your child yesterday? Oh, visiting grandparents, and you know, so so and so, and so the, the daughter, the, is here, and she looks at her mom, and, and not the sick one, yeah, not the sick one. So because she, she dropped her off, and then this one goes to the car, and then in the car starts driving, mommy. Why did you say that so-and-so was at grandma's house yesterday? She says, um, <clears throat> your daddy told me to say that. <laughs> Which actually was true. That was true, because they had negotiated how to handle this situation. Because you're not supposed to send the child, you know, so soon back to school. But, you know, because they both work, what do they do, and all that. Anyway, but the child saw that. Oh, the sister was so exposed. So she came, wow, what do you do in those situations? And so, I'm not going to answer that question. Um, hypocrisy. We have, to, we have to make sure that we have one life in front of our children.
The second, uh, no, no, third, third reason that they gave was um, judgment. They felt that in that church group, all the time they were being judged. All the time they were being judged. And we, we have to, for this, not look at, oh, yeah, that's, don't, don't have this attitude. Well, that's Christianity for you. Don't, don't, don't have that. We should consider our situation. <clears throat> and and uh, actually, I, I know many cases where, even in our place, I have to confess, some don't come because they feel judged. We, we, we did not convince them of our love yet. And, and they, they feel there's some kind of standard, some kind of standard. <clears throat> and they've also seen that when a new one comes, maybe off the college campus, and looks a certain way, with different style hair or color, maybe tri you know, tricolor hair or something, and certain things somewhere of metal, and certain pictures, and we're just, welcome. You want to come to our Bible study? Praise the Lord. We welcome everybody. All we see is like three circles coming in. Tripartite, man. Tripartite. We don't, we don't see the outward. We just see their candidate for salvation. And then, and then he says, oh, that's great. Can I bring my girlfriend? And, and we go, sure, the more the better. And, 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 and we see, you know, six circles coming. Yeah, coming into the meeting. And we're just so happy. But when one of our young people brings their friend to the meeting, is, I'm not, again, I don't know the situation here, so I dare not, don't think I'm picking on anyone any place, but I have seen this in my place, I'm confessing, that there's a, a raised eyebrow, a raised eyebrow, like, oh, that's Brother Ben's boy? Hmm, how could Brother Ben and his wife allow this? I wonder if Brother Benson knows. <laughs> now, I'm not saying this ever happened. But something like that has happened with among us. I know that. Because I heard it. And, and just that, that, they see, wait a minute, but we were at your house with that new one and his new girlfriend, and now they're in the church life, enjoying the Lord, and how will my friend ever have? Now, please do not misunderstand. I, I'm not for premature dating. I'm not. I'm not for that. But it ha the thing happens. How do we respond? What is the atmosphere in our church life? And you know, sometimes the Lord just works in marvelous ways. And we've seen exceptions in the Lord work. So sometimes we need to be a little more open. But the point is judgment or standards. Standards. And then the fourth point, this is the last point on this side, 
very interesting is they said, I never made connections with the people in that group. Connections. T talking about relationships. And that, uh, also I believe, they're not talking about friends, peers. I think they're talking about older, younger, <coughs> being part of a family. And that became much more meaningful when we went to the other side and saw the results of the kids who continued to meet. This was very interesting. Basically, basically, well, uh, I think I want to give you a broader um, presentation than what I mentioned to some of the brothers yesterday. Um, yes. There were three basic things that they said, plus a couple others, but three basic things. The kids who continued meeting. Firstly, the first reason, parents. Because of their parents. And this is in a positive way. I'm still meeting because of my parents. And that's not just because my parents make me meet. No, they're, they're young adults and families now. They're in their 20s or 30 years old. It's the impact of their parents' testimony. The positive impact of their parents' testimony. And that's very impressive to me. The second is that they, they said they entered into a relationship with the Lord Jesus by the time they were 17 years old. A, a, a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus by 17, which means before graduating high school. So if you, you want good college students, if you want good families, good young adults, be burdened for the, their relationship with the Lord before 17. And I think we should borrow some college serving ones to maybe spend more time with these and even here. The third reason, and this, is, this to me is the one I'm most burdened for. And to me, very interesting that two different studies show the same conclusion of this next point. Listen to this. Five meaningful intergenerational relationships apart from their parents and their youth workers, which we call the serving ones. Why do you stay in this group? Why? Because through, why am I still here? Because along the way, I, I developed at least five meaningful, this, this word is important, meaningful intergenerational relationships with people that are not my parents nor my youth workers. That means they became part of the church life. That's all that that means. And both studies showed the same thing. 
And both studies, to my surprise, came up with this number five. That's what the kids said. Five relationships. And so this caused some pause and some consideration. What about my experience? And I have to say, this is really true. This is really true. Why am I here before you? Why am I continuing in the Lord? It has a lot to do with those five relationships. Amen. And in my life, I'm thankful to the Lord. It's more than five. Amen. And, and, and then in this stage, in this stage, I would say probably seven or eight relationships. And especially with some couples. So it was not just brothers. I, I had moms, dads, and moms. Three couples, I could tell you. Three couples that the Lord has preserved until today. They're still with us in the recovery. When I see them, oh, my heart is just full of love, joy, appreciation. They are my moms and dads in the Lord. And the Lord has kept them faithful until today. And, and that's why I'm here. And you know what? I don't remember a single message from any of those brothers. And the sisters didn't give messages. But I remember what some of the, I remember some of the conversations we had. One on one. I remember the rebukes. The loving rebukes. That I remember. That kept me. Loving rebuke. And I could take it because it was from mom. It was from my dad. And some of these couples, actually two of the three couples, actually were my serving ones. So they got past that kind of relationship of, I knew I was not an assignment to them. You know, sometimes we can tell. Many of us grew up in the church life. You can tell when you're an assignment. <laughs> this happened to me twice in my church life. Twice. Where a brother, I, I know, uh, it was like, do, 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 do. oh, oh, uh oh. <laughs> like Pharisee, three o'clock, three o'clock, uh oh, careful. Yeah, hi, brother. I was cordial. I was, but never opened my heart to him. I was his assignment. I was his assignment. Then it happened again when I was in college. This brother, he was assigned to me. And so I never opened my heart. Because you sense it. But there are other sisters and brothers. They're everybody's second mom. I think many of our churches, the young people talk, oh, that, the brother's my, he's my second dad. Then I talk to this one. Oh, he's my second dad. And I talk to this one. He's my, he's everybody's second dad. <laughs> we have some brothers that's everybody's grandpa. That's the way they, they, they're not message givers. They're not message givers. But the young people like hanging out with them. Yeah. And many of those brothers are very good with their hands like carpentry and fixing things. The young, people, the young brothers just like being with them and helping them fix things. They, 
They don't get preached to. They don't get judged. But somehow they get supplied. Sometimes, as they're talking, you find out something about the brother's testimony. And you're like, what? You were where? You did what? One time, my son came home. He says, Dad, did you know that brother so-and-so was, he's from another, another country, but then moved to the U.S., from the CIA of such and such a country? I said, I did not know that. <laughs> oh, I tell you, from then on, when this brother stood up to share in the prophesying meeting, my son. <laughs> and tell his buddies, that's him. You've got to listen to him. That's from high school till today. My son admires this brother, respects him so much. Now my son has his own children. He's in his 30s. But whenever he comes back to New York, there's such a warm feeling for this brother. An honor. He's a grandpa. But there's a kind of honoring. And he's not a message giver. He's just a shepherd. Two other points of why people stay. A little development from what some of us talked yesterday. They also said this. They developed a sense of purpose. In their, in their younger years. Why do they continue in the Lord? Because here they had a sense of purpose. And that led to another thing, a life of service. Purpose and service. A calling to service. Young people don't like to be just pampered. They like to be challenged. They like to be given responsibility. We need to consider how, when we're raising our children, how can we Put them into function, into action, so that they can feel part of this big family. Then they have ownership of the church life. So anyway, these are some of those results, and I think we can learn from these. When we check our experiences, I think a lot goes along. Then, but somehow we have not translated this into our service. We have not passed these things along to, to the younger generation. So anyway, maybe that's enough. Maybe we can have a little time for some uh, overflow. Yeah, amen. Maybe a little, could we have some prayer? Twos and threes together, twos and threes, and then 10 minutes for your responding. Amen.